Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center. We're in Random Lake, Wisconsin. That's Sheboygan County. And so glad to have you with us here today on this August 22nd, Saturday, 2020. Our catechesis today will continue in St. Matthew's Gospel. We'll be in Matthew chapter 24. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, one last time for this week, we say our memory verse. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Our psalm, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to my Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, 
All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rands of Nebioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, and nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Obviously, you hear the echoes of the Feast of Epiphany, right? The visit of the Magi. Um, but then also, I love this last line, a little one shall become a thousand, referring to, to Christ, right? A small one, a strong nation. He is our Israel, and we grafted into him. All right, a reading for catechesis, a catechesis, I should say, is... Uh, continuation from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For, wherever the carcass is, There the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. There ends the reading. All right. Um, In verse 15, it refers to the holy place. What is the holy place? Oh, now you can see me a little better. Yeah. The holy place is the temple of God. Uh, what words is Jesus quoting here? He tells you who 
Daniel, right? The prophet, the abomination of desolation. This is from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. If you have a study Bible, it probably indicates that. What is this abomination that causes desolation? All right. Um, this is kind of, uh, it's a meaning that has multiple layers. So I'll try to explain for you. In Daniel, the term refers to a specific thing. Uh, In 168 BC, when Antiochus Epiphanes erected a pagan altar to Zeus on the sacred altar in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus' words might refer to the attempt by Caligula in 37 to 41 to set up a statue of himself in the temple. Or he could be referring to the arrival of the Roman pagan armies to destroy Jerusalem in, in 68, I believe. One should not overlook the possible reference to the Jews themselves and the confused state of affairs in the temple as rival parties struggled to control the temple. According to Josephus, there was actually bloodshed in the temple between Sadducees, Pharisees, and elders. So, many possibilities here. Who was also, though, mentioned in Daniel? So, Daniel, I said it was Daniel 9, verse 27. If you just go back just a little bit... Oh, I gotta type it correctly. Daniel nine twenty six. There we go. Here, here's twenty six and twenty seven. And after the sixty two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince uh, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. All right, so there very specifically in verse 26, uh, it refers to the Messiah or the anointed one. So uh, I'd ask why do you think these verses from Daniel, again, it's Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27, important for the understanding uh, of Jesus's meaning here at this point? Again, that's why I read it. Um, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for his own sake, so that there would be an end to sacrifices and offerings. Right? So clearly Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. That is, the Messiah himself is the final sacrifice, and after his sacrifice, there is no longer a need for the temple. And then what is offered there is actually abomination after the sacrifice of Christ. Why would those in Judea need to flee? Yeah, clearly because Jerusalem would be destroyed. And what is emphasized by the sayings of both verse 17 and verse 18? What's the key emphasis there? Yeah, that urgent need um, to get out quickly, right? Without turning back. Leave immediately. This should remind us of an Old Testament story, I think. I think uh, Genesis 19. This is with Abraham, if you remember, and, and someone that we know. I'll just read it for you. Genesis 19. When the morning had dawned, the angels urged Lot. There you go to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed by the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, 
his wife's hand and the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Right, so that need to get out of the city quickly. Okay, what's the picture that Jesus then gives in verses 19 through, let's say, 22? So the pregnant and nursing babies, the winter, the Sabbath, the tribulation. Well, I think here specifically he is looking forward to the destruction of Jerusalem um, by the Roman armies that will finally be accomplished in AD 70 after um, laying siege to the city for quite a while. Um, and great horrors being done within the city during the siege. The days of the Romans' army's destruction of Jerusalem would be some of the worst ever known to men, and death would come to all, even to nursing infants. And uh, again, Josephus records that for us. So why will those days be cut short, or why were those days cut short? What does he say? Verse 24, Yeah, for the sake of the elect. Now, uh, this is important. Who are the elect? Who are the, if you prefer a different uh, word, synonym, who are the chosen? Now, these are the baptized believers, right? Why are the words then of Christ in verses 15 to 22, which we just looked at, why are those important then for the Jerusalem congregation, especially the Jerusalem congregation of elect uh, of the elect, that is, of the baptized believers there, the Christians, after he ascends into heaven. Now, for those Christians in Jerusalem, this will serve as a warning, right, to prepare them uh, for the persecution um, that will be coming. Now, what sort of uh, Christ or prophet might be the one that's described here in verses 23 to 24, right? Look, here's the Christ there, false Christ, false prophets. How are they described by Jesus? Yeah, they'll do great signs and wonders uh, in an attempt, willingly or unwillingly, or unwittingly, to deceive men. And I would describe it this way, with a theology of glory rather than preaching the theology of the cross, that is, of Christ crucified. Right? This is a, a significant challenge for us um, as Christians in particular. We talked about this in our elders meeting this week and also in our council meeting, that the typical means that the, a congregation uses to evaluate um, its faithfulness um, are actually not really good measurements, uh, most common being attendance and offerings, and then third and sometimes equal uh, demographics. So, you know, family, especially having families with children. So we'll point to those things as indications of great, as great signs and wonders, right? That surely God is with us, but not be attentive to, well, are we preaching what Christ has given us to preach? Are we administering the sacrament as he's instituted them, right? And those things are, it does mean that as a church, we have a very difficult time measuring, um, if you like, our success. And I think that's intentional. Uh, because again, uh, we operate under the theology of the cross, uh, meaning that, well, as Luther taught at Heidelberg, the, uh, the church is at its best when it is suffering, when it is struggling. Um, and the problem when, when things are going gloriously, that is when um, things are going quite well, is that that can often distract from uh, being attentive to faith in Christ. 
So let that be your, your metric. Is the word being preached? Are the sacraments being administered? Are there believers uh, who are faithful in attendance to that word and in their prayers? Right? A little bit harder to measure, actually almost impossible to measure. Uh, and that's why we don't measure. Um, think of the Old Testament too, just I'm on a little rant here. Um, this is why um, the Lord uh, criticized uh, David, actually told him not to, and then he did it anyway, uh, to have a census, right? Uh, we don't take censuses in the church. How many, how many people do you worship? That's kind of a common question, which we worship one God, uh, three persons, <laughs> which is the snarky answer. Um, and actually, what, what does that actually indicate? Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Uh, the size of the gathering isn't the point. It's, this, it's that Christians are gathered. All right. So, uh, again, false Christs and false prophets are going to point to those sort of things as indications of their success and not actually the presence of Christ's word. Uh, what caution does Jesus give in the phrase here about the lightning in verse 27? Yeah, the Son of Man will come suddenly, like lightning, of course, but also like lightning, uh, he will also be quickly gone. So uh, Christ came suddenly into the world among his own, and then he only dwelt here um, but for a little while. Now, what is the meaning of the statement here about uh, where the carcass is? There the vultures, I, I prefer, uh, will be gathered together, or eagles, either way. It's kind of an enigmatic statement, isn't it? Or maybe not. Uh, while the enemies of the Son of Man, of Jesus, here the Son of Man in verse 27, will descend like vultures to destroy uh, the body, his body, it is that very body which is what gathers uh, the faithful. And we gather, kind of like vultures, if you like, um, around his flesh to share in his death and resurrection and ascension. For his carcass, if you, if you like, is the life of all the living. All right. Yeah, so that that's, like I said, it's, it, it sounds quite negative, but I think Jesus takes that negative image and flips it um, and refers to us gathering around him. Now, what is he telling us then all the way through verse 23 to 28? What's kind of, how would you summarize that? Yeah, we should not be confused by those who preach that the end is near, right? But realize that the final judgment is already revealed in Christ, whose body hung upon the cross and was raised on the third day. I, I said this in a sermon a few weeks ago, and it resonated with quite a few people, you know, that um, the judgment day has already occurred. Right? It happened at the cross. And so folks that are pointing forward to a future judgment uh, miss the point. <laughs> I missed the event. It's already happened. Of course, Christ will come again to gather us um, to his dwellings. So when is then verse 29 fulfilled? When the sun is darkened, the moon does not give its light, the stars fall from heaven, the powers of the, uh, of the heavens will be shaken. That should sound quite familiar and now maybe quite obvious to you. I'll just quote it from Matthew's Gospel. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land, right? Now, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven will appear, is uh, the translation of verse 30. 
the sign of the Son of Man um, in heaven will appear, or will appear in heaven. Uh, I prefer in heaven will appear rather than the way that uh, our translation did it here. Why is that important? What is the sign of the Son of Man that appears in heaven? Yeah, it's the sign. Um, the sign is the cross, right? We've already had that. That the the day when the tribulation happens is obviously Good Friday, and the sign that will appear is the sign of the cross on, upon which the Son of Man is crucified. Um, and then, um, what does it say here? Yes. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Um, you can translate it as earth, as in like, you know, the blue spinny ball in space that we, that we live on. Uh, but a literal translation would be the tribes of the land, the tribes of the land. Now, how might that help you understand this text? Tribes of the land. Well, for this, I think we probably, we want to look at another text. We'll look at Zechariah chapter 12 into chapter 13. So let me get there for you. And I will pour out, or I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. In that day there will be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadad Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn, every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, and their wives by themselves. Every family, or excuse me, I skipped the line, the family of Shimei by itself and their wives by themselves, all the families that remain, every family by itself and their wives by themselves. And that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Isn't that beautiful? So you have uh, in Zechariah, you have coming upon um, the land. Where is Where was that again? Yeah, and the land shall mourn. The earth itself will mourn. And then springing up from the earth is a fountain that has um, forgiveness for sin and for uncleanness, right? So, which is, of course, fulfilled at the cross again, where the Son of Man uh, was revealed as the Savior, from whom a life-giving fountain flows for sin and uncleanness, right? Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and then he refers to the angels. What, what, are, what are angels? What's a basic definition of an angel? Yeah, those are messengers, right? So how does this help us understand verse 31? The angels coming with the sound of a trumpet and gathering the elect. This is actually fulfilled as well at the ascension, right? Uh, as Jesus ascended on the clouds of heaven, he sends his messengers, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching, right? To the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. Those messengers, his angels, are first his apostles and then um, all those who are in the apostolic office, that is, uh, pastors. All right, meditation on this text. The prophet Daniel had foreseen the coming of the anointed one, excuse me, Jesus, 
and the destruction of Jerusalem to follow. Jesus now preaches on that text after lamenting that Jerusalem will not listen to Daniel or the one he had prophesied. Matthew wants his readers to understand that Jesus had warned that the destruction of the temple would come after his death and resurrection. There would be all kinds of warning signs to prepare them for that coming, but they should not be deceived by anyone claiming that the fall of Jerusalem meant that Jesus was returning in judgment. The judgment has been revealed in the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Jesus also comforts those who are his elect through baptism, that hearing his words, they will not be deceived by false Christs and prophets, but be preserved in the faith. All right, there ends our catechesis. Let's confess our catechism for this week, the explanation to the third article. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All right, we've gone a little longer, so we'll omit the prayer on the creed. Let us pray today on the Saturday for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. We pray for our first responders, doctors, nurses, and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for an end to anxious thoughts and constant worry among us. We pray for our deliverance from this current pestilence, from all sedition, and from rebellion. We pray for those, um, let's see, oh no, no Thanksgivings today for August 12th. So we do pray in Thanksgiving for um, the confession of faith that Blair and Alyssa will make tomorrow as they are confirmed in the faith. We pray for those who are ill and in need of our Lord's healing touch, especially Marcella, Jan, Virtus, Ron, Brad, Janet, and Timothy Yench, who um, has brain uh, trauma, headaches and is seeking treatment. Carol, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Penn, Aaron, Roger, and Jean. Pray for those um, who are nearer to death and on, in hospice care, Steve and Carol. Pray for those who are grieving the death of loved ones, especially the family and friends of Fred Wilk, Jr. We pray for those who are isolated at home, Bev, David, Willis and Janice, and Mickey. We pray for all the mission and mercy workers of our church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care, and the Federitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray the collect for this week. O God, you declare your almighty power above all in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant us such a measure of your grace that we may obtain your gracious promises, and be made partakers of your heavenly treasures. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body, and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, one more time this week, we'll sing our hymn, The Church's One Foundation. Church victorious shall be the church 
at rest. Yet she on earth has union with God the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. O blessed heavenly chorus, Lord, save us by our grace, that we, like saints before us, may see you face to face. What a lovely hymn, yeah. So good to have you with us here today on this August 21st, or excuse me, 22nd, 2020, Saturday. Uh, that means tomorrow, Sunday, is our Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, and it is good to be in the house of the Lord. So if all possible, uh, do join us. And if not, you can, of course, uh, watch the stream, which is not quite the same, uh, but it does allow you to hear, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So uh, you can catch the proclamation of God's word tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Central here at St. John, uh, God willing, barring power outage or uh, streaming difficulties. Uh, otherwise, it'll be reposted later in the day, so you can always catch it later. And uh, again, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe, and we'll see you soon.